0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vox podcast. <laughs> Mike and Tim and Seth Erie yes. coming at you live from, we in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are delighted to be a part of your life today. However you're coming um, at us, we are not affiliated with Vox Media, just to be clear. <laughs> there is a new name that's coming. <laughs> And it's going to be glorious. And I want to thank Sharice. And I want to thank Lisa. I want to thank Josh. And um, I think that's it for the last week. No, Robert, um, for coming on the Patreon team. You guys are amazing. Thank you for that. I just learned today how to do um, live stream uh, for patrons only. So I oh, looked it up and went, yes, you can do live streaming for patrons only. So, so, Look at
1: you, tech wizard.
0: Oh, my goodness, tech wizard. Yes. And um, so anyway, it is super exciting to build that community and see that community hey grow guys. and develop, and thank you. Seth, do you want to say anything to uh, to the Vox community here? Yes. Okay, what do you want to let them know about, buddy?
1: Uh, good morning, buddy. Welcome to Vox podcast. Good morning. Podcast. Welcome to the Vox podcast. Um, so cry that... Here. So glad up I'm here. here. This, Mr. Dow, we are There's here. Justina. It's super <laughs> crazy outside. It's snowing outside. It's disgusting up here.
0: It's disgusting up here.
1: No, it's it's
0: snowing. Oh, it's snowing. Yeah, we had um. we had a boatload of snow in February. My goodness. So th- thank you, thank you, Seth Theory, for that weather. What's it doing now? <laughs> Give me the weather report right now. What's going on outside?
1: Um, I do. I'm out.
0: Do it's melting. That's exactly right. It do a melt, which yes,
1: there you have it, sports fans.
0: I'm doing. Yes, I'm (laughs) doing. Yes, I like. It's like I'm in hot yoga all the time. Um, (laughs) Timothy John, we have a, a guest today. We're 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 just nerds for anything that has to do with how you can understand or misunderstand the Bible. So a friend of mine from years and years and years ago named Dan Kimball wrote a book called How Not to Read the Bible, and of course I'm in, just automatically in. So uh, we have a great conversation with him. He is such a fun guy and a good friend, and we hope you enjoy it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vox Podcast. We're so glad you are with us today today. This is Michael Leary, Timothy John Stafford, and ladies and gentlemen, a friend of mine for over a decade, uh, my friend Dan Kimball is on the show today. Dan has just written a book called How Not to Read the Bible, and the subtitle is the catchy part, Making Sense of the Anti-Women, uh, Anti-Science, Pro-Violence, Pro-Slavery, and Other Sounding Parts of Scripture. Boom. <laughs> So, Dan, hello, dude. How are you?
2: I'm doing uh, wonderfully well in Santa Cruz, California, <laughs> out to Ohio, where you are now.
0: Right? Yes. And you've been, at, you've been at Santa Cruz Bible for how long?
2: Well, I was at Santa Cruz Bible Church for 13 years, and then Santa and Cruz then... Bible Church planted Vintage yes, Faith Church, vintage, and I've yes. been there now 16 years. Dude. Wow. And so
0: you, you must have started when you were 10. I mean that's if I'm doing the math on that, you know that puts you in your 30s. So that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Um so tell us a little bit. Um so so you go through topics um science, women, slavery, all of the big questions about the Bible. But I thought we would start by by asking you a question that Tim and I often ask on air and off. And that is just why why is the Bible the kind of book that requires books like yours?
2: Well, the Bible, just like any document was written in a in a time period, a context, a, a culture, um, in certain languages. So it's just like any ancient writing of any type you have, it takes effort to then look into, what was written and why it was written. Even if it was God's spirit using people to write, it was still in a time period culture and context that we need to pay attention to, to fully try to understand what was there.
0: Do you think, and this is where, so I totally agree, I totally agree that the scandal of particularity around the Jesus thing, it was in a specific time, people, culture. But, but if God, if the, our eternal salvation rests on us getting this message right, <laughs> then, then why? Why is it so hard to understand? Why is is there a different medium God could have used to kind of get the message out? I actually hear this a lot from people who are like, "If why is it so muddled? Why are there so many interpretations of it?" What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, God obviously could do anything God wants, and He's all wise and and knows. And he chose to do it this way, you know, he chose to have in writing and text for us, the spirit in us, you know, and that can be also, I want to say dangerous, that's the wrong word, you know, because some people say, no, God's saying this today, and God's saying this today, and saying that's the spirit talking. Um, But I would just say, for whatever reason, God chose to do it that way. But here's the thing, I don't think the Bible is that difficult to understand if we just put some effort into it. And God. and I think just some of it is honestly just the extra effort it takes. And I think we put more effort into understanding, uh, you know, sports teams and, um, and music bands and, you know, like we put so much effort into those things. And I just think the scriptures are worth putting the extra effort in to right. understand them more, I don't know why God didn't, you know, have a continual, Writing of scripture all throughout right. history. We're getting letters from letters from Mike Erie today, the prophet. who is was giving us <laughs> texts. You know, the Book of Erie that I'm reading and studying right now, or something. <laughs> and we're talking about that. So, you know, I don't know why, um, but yeah. God does, and this is what He chose to do, and that's that's then what I live with.
1: Yeah, the Book of Erie would be a great uh, next book. <laughs> that, that would be, yeah.
0: yeah, that would be a very short book. Um, <laughs> let me tell you that right now. So so as you began to approach this, um, because I think we've realized for a while now, the Bible, the, the, you even quote, I think it's Penn Gillette that said, you know, the road to atheism is paved with people who've read the Bible from cover to cover or something. Yes. I, I don't remember the exact quote, but it's like that. And, and one of the things I love about you, Dan, is that you're super honest about the opinions and problems and concerns that people have with this. If, yes. you were gonna, if you were going if you were going to coach somebody who was new to the Bible where where would you have them start and how would you have them like 101 stuff how would you have them approach it um kind of knowing what you know now
2: Yeah well uh, I don't want to say this I, mean, I don't want to make it difficult it depends on the person I might have differences of depending what where they're coming from and they're already understanding of christianity or not but in general i would have them start usually in the book of luke um, i always find myself gravitating to the book of luke because he wrote that as an account to try to show things and so he paid attention to certain things and even going into the book of acts afterwards because it's the whole story there of the yeah. jesus in the early church i know it doesn't give jesus's backstory but if I had a starting place, I'd generally start there. Yeah. But here's the thing with the Bible. And, um, you know, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. And, um, and it wasn't until I got to college, Colorado State University, when I really started wondering about Bible Christianity. And, um, and I had a moment that was probably more important the later I looked at it than before was I started becoming interested in the Bible. I had nobody witnessing to me no no parents saying read you go to church you go to group meetings and yeah. i do and it was more of a curiosity thing from uh reading a pamphlet from a christian club on campus that yeah. claimed jesus was the only way but then i st- when you start reading it um, my friends actually started being concerned if i was in a cult or getting involved interested in the cult <laughs> all right now but if you think of this uh they They were interest they were concerned for me, so this wasn't like a bashing Christians thing or bashing church. It was honestly asking, "Are we, and i I always want to plead with Christians to never forget this, back out and look inside at what we believe. Yeah. We believe in a man who died and then came back from the dead, like right there, <laughs> like, and then like, no, we believe him, and one day he's going to return and then right. take us all up to heaven. If you hear that from the outside today, it sounds very cult-like. Yeah, um, and a lot, you know. And we also remember him by drinking his blood and <laughs> eating his flesh when we meet, yep. right? It, you know. And he was born Christian, of a virgin. No, yeah, right. And he was, and he was born <laughs> of a virgin, right? So, now I believe every single one of these things, and I, I die for those things. So, like, I believe they're true. But we can't forget in our world today that. When you hear you know we when you hear this you know there's always a catchphrase post christian post Christian you know if you're, it wasn't just post Christian in styles of music that we're talking about right. it's post Christian in terms of I have never heard of this before. like I heard in a supermarket um a, a kid asking his dad what's that?" and he was looking at a it was a card with a cross and Jesus on it, and the guy's like, "Oh, that's some dead man on a stick." and I remember he said that <laughs> because that's how they think of it, right. If right. you've never heard of any of this before, it does sound cult-like. It does, and um, again, it's not. But uh, for many, many reasons. But that's why the scriptures. I just think we're in a time period where we have to put effort into understanding that because now they're being pulled out and, like, like the quote that you said, the fastest road to atheism is by reading the Bible guess a lot of Christians have taken the easy route and only looked at the nice verses and now it's the crazy sounding ones which are being brought up to the surface and attention paid to those.
0: Right, right. And there seems to be a general dynamic of it's not just that there are people pointing out the uh, uh, the weird verses in the Bible. But it's also I think there's a tendency even among us who've been raised in sort of bible environments to uh, feel like we never had the opportunity to ask questions and raise issues without sounding like we were doubting our faith. Right. Um, was that your experience growing up? No. I mean not well, growing, my up, growing up was
2: I didn't have uh, right. I didn't have anything. So right. um, you know, I was I, meaning I, more I, as I you were growing why. up in the faith. Yeah, I can see why. If there was a repressive nature of like, don't ask that. You're going to you're backsliding, or right. And that's a bummer to hear about. And that would be a sign of a cult, actually. Like, don't ask questions. You right. Know, only <laughs> listen to Master Erie because he has the <laughs> the right answers. And you know, if you challenge him, you're going to get in trouble. Like, you know, you can't. Yeah. Um, and that's the sad thing. You know, the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians because they. Um, took the scriptures and read them each day to see if what Paul said was true. Mm-hmm. So there was a, com- a commendation made of, uh, of a commending made of someone that tests things to see if it's true. Questions are great. So it should be rewarded, not yeah. um, dismissed.
0: So if somebody just asked you, why, why do you buy this story that we just told and, and said from the outside, it does seem a bit out there. Why, yeah. why do you buy it? Why uh, is the because, Bible Why is the Bible to even be messed with? Even if you don't believe it's inspired, why should we even take it seriously?
2: Well, if I don't believe it's inspired, then I would look at it like I would the Quran or other religious writings as various human beings' attempts to make sense of their worldview or what they might think God or gods are. So in that way, I'd have interest in it, but I wouldn't want to be committing my life to... Um, Surrendering my life to the teachings and guidance of the scriptures, because I believe the scriptures are from are, are from God and are 100% inspired. Mm-hmm. So that'd be a difference. Um, but in my earlier years, not being raised in a church, the scriptures were what what I had to have confidence in to say, is this from God or not? And then you go into you know as you know there's many reasons to believe in the scriptures as being from God over other religious texts that are out there. So for me the big test of belief was not emotional experiences. I could probably you know I don't, I don't want to offend anybody or anything you know but we can have emotional experiences and say they're the Holy Spirit and they're really just endorphins going off, hearing minor chords with music and certain lighting and stuff like that. <laughs> I understand those and God can use all of those things, but I'm very, right. um, I don't what's the word? I'm cautious about every equating and emotional experience saying that's God. Yeah. What I'm not as cautious with is taking the truths of Scripture and then applying them to my life and understanding this is who God is saying He is.
0: Yeah. So you've been doing this, uh, preaching and teaching and pastoring for over 20 years. Yes. Have you have you or how have you had to change the way you talk about the Bible in that time?
2: Well, I mean, and everybody's story, you know, you're coming from a background of some sort. And I think because my background was always somewhat reserved, skeptical, is this true or not? My bent always has been trying to give more explanation of why I would believe something is true and not just say it take it for granted. But I do think in today's world uh, there's more, I think even in my, you know, in the 30 years now, like about being in ministry, basically I think that when, I don't want to use this as a cliche, but I do, you know, the post-Christian time period we're in is people, there aren't assumptions anymore of, of belief. There isn't like you already might know this or agree with this or ethics or morals or values so you do you can't make assumptions like you used to, which does mean um, thinking about three more as you teach. And I also, this is great. I mean, I, what, I, what I actually I appreciate about the challenges to the faith is that it does make us work harder. I would dread. I mean, you you've been teaching and you, everything you teach through the podcast now. I would my nightmare of horror ever would be that I am teaching something especially that affects somebody's life. And I am not doing the, the deep enough research past surface reading to make sure I'm not steering somebody wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, that has been thematic for me because I would, man, what a dreadful thing if we are giving people advice or life-changing decisions that they make if we are just doing at a surface level of understanding the scriptures and what we were teaching.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I think, yeah, I think that's why uh, teachers are judged way more harshly according to James, right? I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a responsibility to that that often gets kind of overlooked.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I'm, I'm saying, I mean, an easy one, if I'm saying uh, another faith is not the way to God, I mean, I I better, like, really, that's what an offensive, crazy thing to say to someone that might have a different belief. We better not just be pulling out Bible verses and quoting it without really understanding the other person's emotions and feelings and why they believe what they do and then why ours may be different. But then, you know, if I'm saying something, I I need to have full confidence that I'm uh, teaching something as correct as I can possibly be teaching it. Yeah, especially yeah. in today's world, because we're so counter culture yeah. with many of yeah. our teachings.
0: So, so the list of topics dealt with: um, <laughs> slavery and weird Old Testament laws. It is the Bible anti-woman? Um, do we have to choose between science and the Bible? Uh, my God can beat up your God. Does Christianity <laughs> claim all other religions are wrong? And then the horror of God's Old Testament violence. So these are these are really, really powerful uh, subjects that, that have, I don't know, elucidated a lot of, um, of uh, or elicited, excuse me, a lot of scrutiny. Um, but before you get to those, you lay out sort of a, a, a four-pronged list of how we should approach each of these, or how we should approach the Bible. And that's kind of where I want to spend... A bit of time. I'll, I'll leave the people that are interested to, to read the book and to see how you wrestle with these texts. But you advocate an approach, even before you get to the texts, about how it is that we ought to understand the Bible because of the kind of thing it is. So I'm going to quote these to you. <laughs> and And I hate doing this, but I'm just going to say, okay, so here's something you say, Dan, talk about it. All <laughs> right, Dan? Yeah. So here right. we go. The Bible is a library, not a book. Go.
2: When we open our Bibles, uh, we are trained naturally, and now it's on our phones or it could be on our iPad or or digitally. So when I'm saying open up our Bible, people yeah. do it differently today, but however you do it, we are not opening up a book like the Lord of the Rings that has a beginning and an end. And there's by a singular one person author and and something like that. We are walking into a library. I've trained myself to visually When I open my Bible, I'm visually walking into a library. I'm looking over in the left section and there's the history books and the law books and, um, and there's the poetry books. And then not only there, but then there's different time periods of history and different time periods of laws. And when I, and, and unless we open the Bible and understand that we could be pulling out a poetry book and thinking it's law, pulling out a law book and thinking it's poetry and coming to all kinds of incorrect conclusions, Right. If we don't understand, it's a library, not a single book.
0: Right. So you can't read it. You can't read everything the same way. That's the point. Yeah. You can't just open it to any passage and say, "Oh, this this is what this means to me," and call that a day.
2: Yes. Absolutely. I mean, and that's one of the major ways we goof up. Right. Th- is right there.
0: Yeah. No. That's that is such a big deal to understand genre and to understand that you don't read poetic narrative the way you read history or whatever else
2: yeah it actually makes bible bible study to me is more exciting that way like i'm getting to go into this ancient library and over yeah. there you know there yeah there's the scrolls of of ancient israel history and over there's the some of the law and there's some of the poetry books and wisdom literature and so right. it's like you know if i pull wisdom literature off i'm going to look at it differently than law to the israelites that's right you know, so it's That's what's amazing about the Bible, which I love. There's letters to churches, like, to church, you know, post-Jesus, post-law churches. I'm going to read those differently than I would uh, another book. So it's a wonderful thing when you look at it, and it makes Bible reading adventurous.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We are a bunch of Bible geeks, too, because we find that beautiful. (laughs) Everyone else... Probably not so much. Not everyone, but you know what I'm saying.
2: <laughs> but, Dan. but that's the Bible. That's I mean, like that's right. That is the Bible. So we all should be thinking that, you know. Uh, um, but we're not. I don't think we're taught that as much, and it's not in the culture of many of our. That's right. Spaces of worship and things. So.
0: That's right. No, God. God said it. I believe it. That settles it, baby. And there's nothing. And so, so hermeneutical complexity is frowned upon, which is. How do we approach a text realizing the layers we bring to the conversation and the layers we have to fight through to understand the conversation they were having? That's not super welcome in a lot of places. No, but
2: I've heard criticism even of me since I've written this, like, well, you don't need all these scholars and things to understand (laughs) the Word. It's just God's Word. Right. And I come back instantly now and just say, all right, I... I understand what you're saying but do you realize that you are already dependent on scholars for reading the english version that you have (laughs) and there was lengthy meetings and a multitude of scholars for each each translation that you have and 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 you wouldn't be able to read it in english if you weren't already dependent that's right on many many scholars who are in culture in researching totally looking at these very things
0: yeah yeah, just hand them a Hebrew scroll from the Dead Seas and just go. No, okay, right. well, here that, you that's go. like almost what you want
2: to do, like, all right, you don't need that here. Yeah, here, here you go.
0: Right. Yeah, what do you think of that? <laughs> right. Um all right, number two, quoting yourself back to you, Dan. The Bible's written for us. Nope. The Bible yes, I got it right. The Bible's written for us, but not to us. Yes. Ooh, Dan,
2: that's- go. That's John Walton from Wheaton. He came up with that phrase. It's a great phrase. And so phrase. I, I use it here. And another, and it's the same thing. So if I open up, all right, if you open up the book of revelation, who is it written to? Was it written to, you know, Mike Erie in the year 2021 in, in Ohio? Like, or <laughs> no, it was written to the seven churches. mean, It says it right there. Yeah. It was written to the seven churches. Right. So, that were in a time period experiencing a certain thing. There's different levels of persecution that were going. It was a letter that was passed around in a circular. You you can trace the cities on a map to see it was go from church to church. They were in a world, cultural worldview. That's why some of the language is all crazy because they understood it all. So you have to say, what now, so who is the book of Galatians written to? The church in Galatia in a certain time period. And they were dealing with arguing about Do you need to be circumcised or not like, you know, to follow Jesus? So there were, there were lit written to them. The book of third John was written to a guy named Gaius, right? So it was written to a person in a time period in a culture. So we have to first look at that and then we can then say, well, what can we then learn and what does apply to us today? But unless we put ourselves in that original recipients world, of why God, the spirit was writing through people to these letters and these writings, we we could miss so much and misinterpret so much, Yeah, you know, and it's why the, all the questions, you know, uh, John Walton came up with that phrase primarily because of Genesis and, and the, you know, the, um, all the science battles. Yeah. And it's just so true because, and I know you've spoken about this and, And everything, you know, the questions that the ancient Israel, that God was, again, I keep making sure I'm saying this, God's spirit was using Moses and probably some others, you know, to write these words to the people of Israel um, after they were in a polytheistic world in Egypt for 400 years. And then what they were, they were the, the spirit of God writing these words through people were then Uh, addressing their questions like should we worship the moon Um, you know is is this God that we're now hearing about close to us or is he far does what does he what 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 do we need to do to please him Uh, what do we take the Sabbath right it was written to them their questions were not how do we explain the fossil records and was amino acids (laughs) involved in the original origin of life and DNA and all this stuff that wasn't their questions those are our questions so to read it into the text we're going to come up with all kinds of, I don't even say nonsense sometimes, you know, about we're missing right. the point. So right. the Bible was written for us, not to us. Extremely, extremely important.
0: Good. Gla- I'm glad you are commenting on the points that you've made and and reminding us that they're good points that you yourself have made. <laughs> Number three. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm being okay. silly. I hate interviews where you quote the author back to them. And then say, talk about that. So that's what I'm doing though, because I thought these four points were really important. And before you even get to the problematic texts that, and that you're dealing with, there is a backdrop out of which to approach them that is more helpful than just approaching them by pulling them all uh, out of their context and saying, Hey, who could believe in a God like that?
2: Now, in fact, with Zondervan, I did have to, we talked about this, uh, to make sure the first section was in because I felt these four things that we're now walking through, if, unless you don't get this, then you may, you know, then the rest are going to be, um, you know, then it's spicy. You can read like, you know, how do you enter the slavery verses and these things. But (laughs) if you get these four things, then, then you can look at the Bible and then see all the other hundred other problematic sounding passages. Uh, you know, I only cover a certain amount in the book there's so many others, but this is the key, is understanding what the Bible is and how to read it, then we, we won't be surprised by many other things that we look at.
0: That's right. And and that's no more true than, than, than number three. So first one is it's a library, not a book. Secondly, um, it is for us, but not to us. Um, thirdly, I love this, never read a Bible verse.
2: Yes, and that was, I got that from Greg Kokel down in uh, Stand to Reason. Yep. Down there, where you used to live, down in uh, uh, Orange County area, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But never read a Bible verse. It's the same principle, but we, the the Christian church, evangelical church especially, um, out of good intentions, and of course it makes sense, we pull out single Bible verses, and then we can create entire sermons on them. And I watched a... It was a very large church, uh, a great communicator. He picked a Bible verse, and then he gave a sermon out of it. And and I don't mean to be critical, but the, the sermon was very practical and helpful for life. But it could have been a fortune cookie verse. Like, it didn't. He had It had nothing to do with the text itself. And that's also dangerous, because then you could teach almost about everything and play off a Bible verse and then give your opinions on something. Yeah, so we, we always way. have to be looking at what's the Bible verse, what's the, to use the, uh, our modern way of looking at, um, you know, they didn't have paragraphs like we do today, but in that sense, but, you know, what was the paragraph it was in? What was the book that was what it was in? Who was the book written to? What time period? We're in the flow of whether the new Testament to the old Testament, what genre we have to pull out and to use a single Bible verse on its own is, is uh, can be very dangerous. And this is what's sad. Many Christians have been, disappointed in God by clinging onto promises of certain Bible verses that were never meant to be a promise to them. Come on. And so then we can start having like, but God has let me down because of this, but then that wasn't a promise that he made you. And so, you know, because you're just looking at a verse and likely you're misunderstanding the verse if you're not looking at the whole context there. And it may have been a promise made to the people of Israel or in the temple dedication or or something that We then extract out put on a coffee mug or memorize it and then we're disappointed if it doesn't happen when it wasn't you know again written uh in that way so never read a bible verse now i've heard this too and as you know well didn't jesus vote uh jesus or other parts of the uh, new testament they just put bible verses but again in that world you could it's like saying the chorus of a song you could start they knew they had memorized it was an oral cult they had memorized things so you give a little piece, they then knew the rest of it.
0: That's right. You
2: know, um, you, know you think of a song. What's the song? Um, Twisted Sister. We're not gonna take it. Yes! Like, you know, I, I don't know. Like why Twisted Sister's in my head right now? That's but beautiful. I beautiful. Twisted Sister makes me like, so We're happy. We're not gonna take it, right? Yep. So then, like, oh yeah, no, we ain't gonna take it. Right? So like, you start, yep. it comes to your mind, and that's what <laughs> it was like for them. And it's interesting that song. We're not gonna take it is just like Come All Ye Faithful. It's the same. Oh, you that's can sing funny. that. Yeah,
0: oh, that's funny! Yeah, you, oh, you start Oh, we're saying, uh, not gonna take it. Okay. Oh, come, all ye faithful. Um, <laughs> that's see you don't. That's not in the book, but should be. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: these are. But I love that. My
0: my favorite my favorite coffee mug is. I think it's something like I can do all things through reverse, taken out of context.
2: Yeah, I just saw that. Totally, <laughs> exactly, right.
0: And and you know, it always struck me like the Jeremiah. You deal with this too in in, in the book, the Jeremiah twenty nine. I know the plans I have for you. And then you read the context, and you're like, Yeah, I don't want. I don't want to get to the I know the plans I have for you. That's a se- right. Yeah, that's, that's 70, seventy years of exile. Well, it's even silence. recently
2: with COVID, you've seen, you know, the verse that's um, the second, second Chronicle, I'm going off the top of my head, where yeah, you know, yeah, if yeah. my people come and yep. pray, then I will, he- if I do this, then I will heal the land. Right. So you're taking, you're applying that to a virus in today's world. That was not what the promise that it was made. Now, totally. but, but it was written for us, not to us. We can look at that and say, what does God, God want posture for his people to be humble, Prayerful, absolutely. Like that is how we should be posturing ourselves before God. But there's no promise that He's going to heal something because that was a specific promise to a specific people when that verse was there. Right. But we can learn from the posturing of ourselves and how
0: we should approach God with humility and prayer, um, for sure. Totally, totally, totally. And then last, lastly, um, number four, it all points to Jesus. The library is about Jesus. Talk, about, yes. talk a little more about that one only because I think some people don't see how shellfish and the Levitical laws apply to, mm. or you know, would lead us to Jesus somehow.
2: Yeah, and, and a great resource for this is, uh, you know, them, you know, the Bible Project with Tim yeah. Mackey and John Collins because, you know, I think their mission statement has all leads yeah. to Jesus or something yep. like that. Yep. You know, and so they've they're such a wonderful resource of of this type of what I'm talking about here, uh, because what everything does eventually point to Jesus is thematic moving in that direction. Um, you know, laws were set in place for uh, one understanding we're in need of a savior, uh, uh, also you know to be distinct from others. There's everything we see. and Jesus himself, you know, in the road to Emmaus said, you know, the old Testament did point to him. He was threaded throughout, but what this doesn't mean, and this is really important is like, Oh, so, um, you know, the ark in the, in the, the wood in the ark pointed to the wood of the cross, or we right. start right. coming up with allegories for everything. So all yeah. of a sudden, no, this is about Jesus. This is about Jesus. They were misreading it, uh, wrong, but the storyline in Genesis chapter three points to Jesus, you know, uh, yeah. Jesus 3, Genesis 3:15. Abraham points to Jesus, the covenant points to Jesus. Like everything leads to Jesus. I a mean, big discussion, but that's why the storyline is so important. I would I would beg Christians to at least memorize and be able to even I, I mean God's not linear in time, but to draw out, you know, like a, a, it's I wrote one in the book, it's c- pretty common, you know, like a six acts, ACTS, you know, of the Bible storyline. Right. Because when you understand the Bible storyline and the different parts, then as you're opening the Bible, you're like, oh, this is kind of an act Two. this. Uh, this part was in act five you know, where and what I mean by that is, you know, there's the the different acts are God creates humans rebel, redemption initiated, redemption provided mission to all nations, redemption, redemption completed. N.T. Mm-hmm. Wright uses the same six. Yeah. The Bible project uses he these stole same them six. from
0: you is what I heard.
2: Yes. No, well, Tom, as I call him, uh, he texts me often when he's stumbling around with something. He's like, hey, Dan, what do you think? So I say, oh, Tom, you should know that by now.
0: <laughs> no, but but it is. it actually is very helpful because the gospel isn't just the tiny sliver of that story that has to do with Jesus dying. The gospel is the whole story of which yes. Jesus is the culmination.
2: Yes, 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 absolutely. And that's that's what I mean. When someone's like, I'm bored reading the Bible, I'm like, oh, that's like, uh, you don't understand the Bible then because you, you, and I understand it's sometimes you have to force yourself and it's a little dry maybe to, but when you start looking at it like that, why do we get more excited about the Star Wars story than we do the Bible story? You know, like uh, yeah. people, many Christians can articulate more about Star Wars than they can um the Bible. I can
0: I can do both. I just want to say it's it's possible to do both.
2: No, well it's fun. To, I mean I'm I, <laughs> I I can I'm a Sun Records studio nut. I mean I love music history, so I'm yes. I'm deep in that stuff all yes, the time. So I'm not saying don't only read no, the Bible, I know but I know. yeah. But I think as a follower of Jesus, we certainly should have a basic understanding. If we know Less about the Bible and the storyline than we do about our favorite band or about Star Wars, I do think something's off kilter then, yeah, for a mature Christian that's gone on in years,
0: yeah, so I think the the big point we want to leave people with, um if you're interested, and I know tons of our audience are interested in these topics, these big topics that you're working through for me though the the most important chapter was that early chapter. That that kind of outlined here's here's how you have to approach the Bible because he, this is what kind of book it is, and once you have that in view, you're in a much better place to at least begin to ask you ask much better questions about the texts that people point to and the texts that disturb us, and so I really wanted to camp there, Dan, because I think that um, I think that is so often where the 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 ideas are one or lost, right? It's it's you can frame it and you use memes. It's hilarious. You've got you know a dozen <laughs> memes in there, um, but you use memes as a great example because it's it's pretty easy to to grab a verse, put it on a meme, and go, yes, how ugly is God in this? Um, and mm-hmm. to do that, you've got to violate a whole bunch of what you you talk about at the beginning.
2: Well, and this is why I feel, you know, I do the word's urgent uh, about this is that we're at a time period where so many Christians don't know the Scriptures. So there's a vulnerability already. Especially the younger you are, the less you know the Scriptures today than even the minute in the in the seasons of ministry I've been in. Overall, today, I mean, you see the studies. You know, even many many adult Christians are even pretty biblically illiterate. And I'm using that word nicely. So there's a vulnerability already in place, and we and the sadness of missing out, knowing knowing the fullness of the gospel and Jesus and the Bible story, but then you put on to it now the more recent. Um, uh, when I say the word atheist, there ninety probably ninety eight percent of atheists are just kind, loving, beautiful, wonderful people that just say like I don't believe what the Christians or other religions believe, but you know I'm I'm just busy with my own life and leave me alone. There's two percent or so that are extremely activists and they are the ones that are posting memes up, taking Bible verses like women be silent, you know, go home and ask your husband's questions. It's a disgrace for a woman to speak up in the church, putting out, putting out a meme with a woman's mouth taped shut or worse. And then, and then Christians seeing this and getting caught off guard because it's a, it's a strong visual statement or you know slaves obey your masters in the new testament and then seeing a horrific graphic and then you know that bible verse and that's what's going on and the urgency is it's causing younger christians in all ages but i'd say a lot of younger christians who don't know they've never been taught these four things i was talking about or or paid attention to these verses they kind of maybe skim them go by them and now as they're being confronted with them it's causing uh, an acceleration of doubt, mistrust, what's the scriptures. Uh, and, and that's why there's an urgency to me about this uh, yeah. because it's very real. And I mean, I know people, and we're hearing now deconstruction stories, and I know that's, uh, that's a whole discussion with many different um, rivers of that one. So I don't want to yeah. say it's just the Bible in there, yeah. but, um, but but the Bible is definitely part of it for sure.
0: Yeah, for sure, dude. So, um, how not to read the Bible, Dan Kimball. And um, you are now back on the tweets. And uh, what's your Twitter handle, Dan? Yeah,
2: yeah, everything's Dan Kimball, D-A-N-K-I-M-B-A-L-L. Twitter, uh, Facebook, and Instagram.
0: See, it's nice to be so aligned and integrated. Uh, Puts us to shame, Dan, (laughs) someday someday. Well,
2: um, early innovators grabbed their your handles <laughs> before the rest of the trendy people caught up with us. Totally, so. totally. <laughs> uh,
0: but man, thanks for your time today. I really appreciate you, appreciate the effort that went into this. And um, I think there are loads of folks that will find this helpful. So if you're interested in kind of how Dan takes those four principles and applies them to the big questions, go ahead and check that out. And uh, Dan, again, appreciate you, appreciate your time, man. Thanks.
2: Thank you, Mike. Um, Yeah, I'm so glad we've had a relationship over all these years. So let's now catch up. All right. All right, let's do
0: it. All right. The voice of an angel. Dan Kimball, <laughs> absolutely. He does have a very, he, he
1: does have a very soothing he, voice. He totally
0: does, and and I wish, like, he Dan Dan is a man of varied interests. He loves music and music history, and he's super stylish. And I've, every time I, I meet him, I just feel indicted by my lack of class style. <laughs> anyway, what'd you think of that, Timothy? What were what were some of your thoughts as you were um, listening to that jibber jabber?
1: I, I thought it was great. I really appreciated. it. I didn't want to interrupt again because uh, I thought you guys were you, – you asked, you asked You asked. all the right questions, Mike. You wow.
0: Were, you're such a good interviewer. Oh, Timothy.
1: I will keep you around. But I really – I mean, man, we talk all the time off mic. <laughs> it's just still the after-hours show that you're going to put on later. Yes. Um the uh just how much you know the Bible in in my circles we talked about a little bit with the doubt conversation last week, um, but the Bible is a just such has become such a stumbling block yeah. for folks yeah. and um just how uh, you you know your first your initial kind of response or reaction to that is kind of like it feels antithetical because it's yep it's the Bible it's supposed to be our right instruction manual or however the different ways people have yeah. you know tried to quantify it over the years so it, it becoming such a stumbling block is such I don't know it's just so interesting the last thing you guys were talking about with the um the current culture because of the internet so him using memes uh, is smart it's such a smart way to articulate that but man in the social media culture where uh you are I didn't I had I had not thought about that, how as a young Christian you are affronted with all of the all of the skepticism of the world almost at once. Yeah. yeah. Like you're just inundated and yeah. that's
0: never existed in the history of humanity prior to no. this. No, I had and I that's was, really interesting. And it's good and bad. Because on the one hand, yeah. I mean, for those of us that were raised in very closeted sort of environments, um, I wish I would have known some of these things and, 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 totally. and heard Christians engaging with them without freaking out. Um, yeah. but on the other, th- at least I had this sort of basis to react against, um, you know, now the, the, the deck is sort of stacked from the outset. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, it, it's, it's a really interesting dynamic. Um,
1: yeah. When he was talking about the urgency, I was like, People
0: like I think people like to
1: use urgency in every different religious conversation um this time it was like oh I think that actually makes a lot of sense like this does feel the agency of this feels really yeah, pertinent because yeah. you know it's people entering into conversations to defend their faith that they're not equipped to do and it turns into just really bitter totally a really bitter back and forth and man that's you know obviously a very deconstructive or not in that, not in the normal deconstructive or the new deconstructive sense, but yeah,
0: I want to, I want to get rough away. Stuff. I'm sorry, buddy. I thought you were finished. Go ahead. I was, I was just saying rough stuff. Indeed. Uh, and, and part of it, <laughs> part of what's made it rough is the, the, the idea of a faith that needs defending anyway. Like I was raised on, yeah, Josh McDowell and C.S. Lewis, and you got to defend your faith. I went to, you know, I took yes. apologetic classes and I taught apologetics, and and, yeah. and you know, now I think there's a place for the deep philosophical work that I've been exposed to, that really gets into some, you know, and some deep theological work about, well, what about hell and what about these sorts of questions? Dan is engaging, but hmm. but I, I've just come. From to a different place where it's like, uh, is 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 slavery really the issue here when we get to the Bible? Is it really the anti women? I mean, is that really what it is, or is it? Why is the Bible like this? Like, why? Yeah. That's why. That's why I was so eager to hear his answer to that first question. Like, you would think the Bible should be the thing where we don't need books like his. Absolutely. And uh, and so the question for me about the Bible that is most interesting, just for me, and just right now, is, in light of who God who God is, and in light of who God created us to be, why that mechanism to build faith yeah. and sustain revelation, and what's great about it that I take for vantage for um, I take for granted and don't granted. even notice. And what's the cost of that? That to me, yeah. yeah. That is the biggest question. And then and then great, we can have the I mean, obviously I think there are um so much of biblical stuff is like, Oh yeah, it wasn't that bad. Like I know it sounds bad in English, but it's really not that bad. And some of that's true. Yeah. But why should the Bible even need that sort of defending to begin with? You know, that's yeah. the well, that's yeah, the question. Totally.
1: Man, all right, so I have two thoughts um, that I'm going to turn back towards you. False. I, Shauna and I, my wife and I, are built opposite of each other, and I have learned that that is one of the greatest things possible because we compliment each other in the most random ways and we speak into each other in the most, like, fruitful ways, and she's very wise and offers so much to me. And we've never reached a plateau of like you've arrived you've made it because as i as we go forward she grows and evolves and is becoming more and more of a she changes right she grows and learns new things and takes on new habits and traits and so in loving her i have to keep pursuing her as we grow yeah and as we yep. push forward and i love it i think it's so cool and i love the fact that Will never arrive. It's a process that I have to keep loving her and seeking after her because I will never fully know her because she's never she's always growing and evolving. She's not static. It's magical, yeah. Yeah. And the Bible, I feel to me, is the same way. I know it's a stumbling block for people, but I love the organic nature of. So I'm always wrestling with this marriage of flesh and deity, Mm. and that seems to be the construct that God has struck with obviously in Jesus. <laughs> and then um, I found that to be th- the truth in prayer or as I'm evolving on prayer and learning more about prayer there's so much that I there's such a role that I play in in prayer in partnership with God. Yeah. And then the Bible. Yeah. It's written by man and inspired by a deity, but it brings all those things bring interesting, organic, fallible, fun, complex, yeah, intricate things to the conversation. Yeah. So the Bible all very long introduction to my question.
0: That's a great Um, introduction.
1: But I I love how, I love that I will never fully understand the Bible. That I have to do all the things that Dan is saying. If I was able to understand the Bible, if there was a how-to and and you you get it when you go to church the first time and you're like, this is it, I'd be like, this is it? And then I would probably have bounced a long time ago. But I love that God is continually revealing and always growing and working with us and inspiring and pushing. So, every church has like a, a doctrinal statement, right? We have to have our three, our three pronged, like, yeah. Jesus is Lord. This is this, yeah. and the Bible is authoritative, and da 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 da. If the Bible, with everything that we just talked about, what does it mean for the Bible to be authoritative? Oh, that's what I'm asking you. Not, don't ask me. <laughs> you know what i mean though because like in 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 light of everything that we just talked about with dan and i thought those four points were i I thought that was great i really did and i think those Those are are really pertinent and so helpful um is the bible authoritative and what does that even mean with all of the all of that with just the fallibility of mankind being both in writing and in discerning yeah
0: yeah. What does it mean? Oh, my goodness. Tell us, much. Oh, well, let me just sit back here and tell you. Um, <laughs> I mean, Dan, you suck. Dan, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Frankensteinbeck. Tim, you suck. Frankensteinbeck is his. <laughs> um, Zoom, my Zoom moniker. Eagle. Frankensteinbeck, genius English prof. Tim, you suck because those are genius questions. And all I can do is tell you the things that I'm fascinated by in the hope that maybe someone else will be fascinated by them too. So I sit and I think, okay, the human divine partnership that we talk about all the time is at play here. And you've already said that it's a play in prayer, but it's a play in er everything. It's never going to be just God doing it when God can invite us into it. Secondly, That God is a person and that we are persons and the kinds of persons we are require um, intellect, morality, agency, freedom, uh, all of those sorts of things. God has disavowed himself from the outset of compulsion and manipulation and coercion. And so that he's automatically limited the kind of revelation of himself that he he does this, he hides his face. Why? Because if anyone sees his face, they'll die. Right? I mean, it's that like he has to.
1: We all saw Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right? We know My what happens when melt. you
0: open that thing. We know exactly what happens. <laughs> you you melt like a cheeseburger, <laughs> and um, and so yes, so so what what the the Bible is a way. That, uh, that honors the dignity of personhood on both sides. In the following respect, it's ambiguous. And so you find whatever you bring. So it's a revealer. Mm. This was true of Jesus, right? When they prophesy over the infant in front of his parents, this, this son, this son of yours, Mary, will cause the rise and fall of many in Israel. And he will be a sign that is spoken against. And so in one sense, the Bible is similar that it is, it is a reflection of what you bring to it. And that makes sense if you're trying to honor the dignity of personhood. Also, yeah. it means that there is, because God has limited God's self in this way, it means that there is no possibility for unambiguous communication. Even speaking, the text will say, people think it's thunder. Or writing on the wall can be misunderstood and misapplied right there's the only way to ensure that god could uh, could make us infallible um would be to either hijack us or to do violence to us um to yeah. make sure we understand if he's going to honor if he's going to honor communication notice how he does it in prayer your analogy was exactly right it's the it's the power of request so hear what he's done he's honoring Divine, the human-divine partnership, so it's it's the Bible is fully human. It reflects ancient worldviews. There's personality in there. There's stuff in the descriptive parts of Scripture that God would never approve of and says in other parts of Scripture that he doesn't approve of, but it's in there. <laughs> That's so, so he honors that, but then he also honors the dignity of human personhood because if he compelled us to believe, we're no longer free. So the the communication is ambiguous for several reasons. That's one. The second one is that it it is used to provoke wisdom. That's why I spoke in parables, right? So when Jesus was here, he wasn't totally clear, right? Here is Jesus speaking Aramaic words to Israelite people, and still they're going, what? What is this guy saying? And then God inspires The apostles to write, and and Peter even has to say of Paul, dude, Paul writes some things that are really hard to understand. (laughs) Even the Ten Commandments, right? I mean, that's as clear and direct as communication as you could get, right? Clearly, God is on the mountain. Clearly, we've not just invented these laws. They're on stone tablets, whatever. And there's still a whole bunch of discussion we got to have about these things, so to me, the Bible honors the, the project of human participation in what it is, but it also honors the 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 kinds of beings we are and the kind of relationship God wants. And then thirdly, it kind of it it, it honors to me, and I'm riffing here, but it honors the the kind of thing that God values most of all, which is love um chosen in the midst of uncertainty in other words the mm-hmm. nature of love is it's uncertain if you're going to give it as it should be given there's no such thing as a, uh, that it's going to be returned there's no such thing that will be repaid there's no such thing that it will be the most fulfilling experience of your lifetime and so what god is asking for us in the text is an honest evaluation of ourselves in relationship to each other to self ultimately to god and out of that honesty is birthed the humility that at least opens ourselves up to the possibility that there's something here. And then God does it through a library, right? So it's not just didactic teaching, bullet point statement of faith material. It's, it's not that at all. In fact, it's jumbled and confusing and repetitive, and it's wonderful. Why? Because we got to work for it, just like we do in any other relational context. So for me, man, those aren't, you know, those are some things I've been thinking about, about why the Bible is the way it is. How it's authoritative, for me, has best been answered by N.T. Wright. Shocker. When, and I think we've talked about this several times on on the podcast, where N.T. Wright sees... He imagines a play partially finished by Shakespeare. And let's say that play is in five acts. Um, You have the first four acts written for you. And then you have the beginning of the fifth act and the end. You know how the story ends. But the author has died before finishing the play. And you are uh, invited to improvise the middle of the fifth act based and, mm-hmm. and 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 he determines so what's a good improvisation or not well does it fit with the acts that came before right does it sound and feel like the author does it fit with what's coming right is it internally consistent does it i mean right does it have the text that like the the texture and the feel of the author and so yeah. so nt wright says listen The Bible is inspired the way that play would be inspired. We are all compelled by the author. The author has allowed us to improvise the middle of the fifth act, but there are some improvisations that are more faithful than others, and which are more faithful? Those that honor the first four acts and the the beginning and ending of the fifth, and that reflect the character of the author. Which means, and this this is such a profound point, that it isn't about the list of rules. Um, it, it is about a way of being human in the world that that witnesses to the reality of the risen Lord Jesus um, and the coming kingdom. And um, when you look at it that way, to me, it's completely authoritative and inspiring. Because I can't, yeah. if I'm looking for the text that says... Hey, what kind of bathroom should we have for transgender people? I can't lift a text and find that. I've got to improvise, right. right? I've got the command to love my neighbor, and then I've got seeming instruction that says God created the male and female, right? And I've got to figure out how to put all that together.
1: <laughs> but totally, I w- you know the last thing from the um, the last Sermon on the Mount episode, I think it was that when you were talking about I got our friend Kevin got mad at me for not making a um, red hot chili pepper joke about because the the original guitar player for the chili peppers was Hillel Slovak nice um, nice and it was on the tip of my tongue but I thought no one will know what I'm talking about I don't but Kevin would have. I don't know that yes our friend um, Kevin. but Hillel the the standing on one foot and the oh uh, nice um, everything else is commentary right yeah. the golden rule yeah. what do I take from this everything else is commentary and everything you just said is jives with, I mean, I I thought that was such a compelling story and statement. Yeah. And I've thought about it a lot because man, discernment is just the, the word of the year or the word of the whatever, but it's, you know, learning how to discern everything that you just said, like you have to know how you are constantly trying to learn how to interact with all of this. But you just said that's what
0: you do with your wife and your kids because no one's exactly. static. Exactly.
1: That's why I led with that long story. That's
0: right. No, but that's that's the exactly right parallel. The text yeah. the text isn't static either. That's the thing. Yeah. So I love it. I love that. So to me, I I disagree with those who say well there is no interpretation that's better any better than any other interpretation. I don't think that's true at all. Right. Um but I I do think that the Bible is the kind of thing that as the cliche goes, it reads you as much as you read it. And as you encounter the text in different stages of life, you're going to pick up things that have been there the whole time, but, but jump. And that's the reason why it's, it's so enduring. If it were just a straight linear Mm. Greek feeling textbook, it wouldn't be enduring. But notice the Bible communicates exactly the way that Jesus does, right? With yeah. With yeah. what? Huh? That's brilliant. Oh my goodness! I don't understand. Oh, I do understand that and don't like it. Right? I mean, yeah. like in miniature, the way Jesus communicates is the way that God communicates, and yeah. um, and so far from you know causing me doubt, um, all of these conversations and texts I find I find hopeful and invigorating. And that doesn't mean I have great answers for some pieces of the Bible I don't understand. I don't don't have great answers. Yeah, totally. But that's not... That's
1: just the complexity of it.
0: Yeah. But having the right answer isn't as important to me as it used to be.
1: Right. I think that's... And I think that's so key. And I hope that people... It's the same thing with the last conversation on doubt. You know, I think... So many people are not are not wrestling or don't want to wrestle with the Bible on a overly intellectual level. They want to know why the one text we've been given is so difficult to yeah. associate right. with. Well how well, how about the one spouse? Know, the conversation you and Dan had were was really good with that. And there are the I hope that this podcast is helpful in that. And I and and he mentioned, you know, like Mackie and the Bible Project, which has been helpful for me too, of just Mackie's really good at pulling context out of, or putting things in context and helping you understand why and how, and there are these great tools. I just hope it's encouraging for people that are struggling with the Bible to be like, to to hear this stuff and just be like, yeah, totally, this is this organic uh, thing that God is using, but it is, like all of that complexity is, I think it's magical and fascinating and I hope it's encouraging for people to associate or to reassociate with or re-engage with or I don't know what I'm saying.
0: Yep. See, I just think a flat view of the Bible, far from being a high view of the Bible, is the lowest regard for what it is because it doesn't respect how it comes to us. And, um, And because it doesn't come to us as a flat textbook, we dare not just sit imperiously, imperially, excuse me, over the text yeah. and say, well, you know, it says here X, and so X. Um, mm. It's just not, <laughs> God never intended it for just to be lifted like that. There, That's why yeah, the Bible man, is always meant to be read in community.
1: Yeah, great, totally. It's so frustrating that that's exactly how it's been used. Yeah, yeah. In large part for so long yeah. and look at where we are. What's well,
0: like, a Greek inheritance, right? We're, we're here to win arguments, make points. And I, and I've been that guy and there's part of me that right. still is that guy. Like if you're going to argue uh, that women cannot teach, uh, I'm going to go after that sucker. Right. I mean, and I'm, th- yeah. and i and I think I'm right. And so.
1: You, well, and some of those things are so important because they're oppressing somebody. Right. And they're unjustly impressing somebody. So I think we do have to be like, whoa, slow your roll.
0: Right. But I would yeah. also, but I would also go after some of the f- central facets, like, "Hey, Happy Easter! Jesus didn't rise, but his resurrection's a metaphor for hope in the world." Then, then that's that's just not what Christian is. Let's call that something else. Right. But that's not, yeah, because Christianity is both. It's an improvised faith and it's an inherit an inherited faith. And so right. we've been inherited certain, and 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 either you trust that God was competent enough to arrange for us to receive what he wanted or he's not yeah and if he's not
1: yeah totally and
0: so i i see the conservative flat reading of the bible as equally offensive as some of the progressive readings i find that just don't they just don't deal with anything that's uncomfortable um yeah
1: and those are those some of those lenses that dan yeah um hit on and
0: yeah yeah good stuff So anyway, brothers and sisters, uh, Tim, I just, I love doing this with you because you ask such great questions and uh, you bring out flavor in the conversation that wouldn't be there. So well done. Vox listeners, you guys are amazing. Thank you for uh, giving us yet another hour of your time. And uh, as always, if you're up for it, like us, rate us, subscribe to us. Uh, support us on Patreon, whatever you want to do. We are just grateful for all of it. I'm very honored to be a part, of, a small part of your journey. So until next time, friends, thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to this conversation. The Vox Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is supported by listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at patreon.com backslash vox You can also engage with the hosts on social media at facebook.com backslash vox podcast, on Instagram at voxpodcast, and on Twitter at Mike Erie. Thank you for walking this road with us.